The Chicago Cubs and Kyle Hendricks are close to a contract extension. We talk about that and more on this Monday episode next. You are Locked On Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Sam Olber. Please support the show by following on your preferred audio platform, and you can watch, subscribe, and leave a comment on YouTube. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. We are lifelong fans, taking our passion into a discussion with you on all things Cubs. Today's Monday episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Welcome into Lockdown Cubs. Happy Monday to all the everydayers out there that show us love and listen to our show, even when the Cubs are not playing. Fun episode today. We got a lot to talk about. Kyle Hendricks on the docket. Uh, Going to talk a little bullpen, talk a little MLB playoffs. But uh, the biggest news that came from this weekend that was Chicago Cubs related, I thought, was that Bruce Levine, uh, one of the fine Cubs reporters, reported that the Chicago Cubs and Kyle Hendricks are nearing are nearing a extension. They are getting close. And this is a little bit more complicated than just your your average basic extension, right? This is a team option where the Cubs have a choice to either accept or decline $16 million to Kyle Hendricks in 2024. And the Cubs have basically until the end of the World Series – for that to be decided. Now, instead of just doing that, yes or no, it sounds like the Cubs smartly so, and and we kind of reported this on the show, that the Cubs are thinking about adding another year onto that, right? So the Cubs are going to, instead of saying, hey, let's do a one-year $16 million deal, maybe we do a two-years $22 million deal. So that first year is for Kyle Hendricks, that second year is for the Cubs. Um, I think this makes a whole lot of sense for everybody involved. Um, for for Kyle Hendricks, I think he wants to stay in Chicago, and I think it would make a lot of sense for him to stay in Chicago. And he's never been the type of guy that really pounds his his fists on the table looking for you know, the most possible money. I think he just wants to be comfortable in his situation and help his team win as much as he can. And for the Cubs, I know a lot of people are probably saying to themselves, well, Sam, Aren't you the guy that basically since you've had this show has said, we need more bat missers. We need more guys that that get swing and misses and, and have better stuff. Yes, but you also still need guys that fill out your rotation that are reliable and get outs. And and when you look at Kyle Hendricks and you, you, you look at his 2023 season compared to 2022 and 2021, there are some really positive trends there. It's not just the obvious of the 3.74 ERA in 2023 versus 4.80 in 2022 and 4.77 in 2021. It's getting the the peripherals, the, the advanced stats, the numbers back in line. Kyle Hendricks's ground ball rate is uh, in a much better place than it was two years ago. His ground ball rate in 2023 was the lowest it's been since he was an elite pitcher. In 2021 and 2022, his his ground ball rate was really low. 
right? He was giving up fly balls at an alarming rate, giving up home runs at an alarming rate. And that led to those really, really gross blow up outings. I think when you look at Kyle Hendricks and you look at the 2023 version of him and you really dig deep, his numbers did not do him justice. He was a better pitcher than that. He was very, very solid. And I think going into the 2023 season, we all thought pretty much the same thing, right? Let's hope that Kyle Hendricks is basically a competent fifth starter. And not only was he beyond that, I think if he were to you know, continue the same trends and do the same things, I think there's a world where you know, he could be a really good fourth starter or even a competent third starter. I know people are going to raise their eyebrows at that. If he continues to keep the ball on the ground like he did and his weak contact, if he keeps that up, I just think it makes a lot of sense. Where the issues come in is out of Kyle Hendricks's control, which is what do you do with the rest of the rotation? Because if Kyle Hendricks does come back, right, and Kyle Hendricks is in a situation where it's, you know, Justin Steele, Tyone, you know, is going to pitch in this scenario, let's say Stroman opts in and then you have Hendricks. Now you have four guys that really don't miss tons of bats. So you're basically forced to go get a fifth guy. And Bruce Levine did have some reports about the Cubs having an interest in a, in a Japanese pitcher. I'll save that for when Matt and I are on the show together, but they really would have to go out and get a fifth guy to start that. And then, you know, you'd have your fillers with like a Jordan Wicks and you'd be waiting to see when, uh, uh, Cade Horton's ready because you know he's going to miss a lot of bats. But again, you know when you project this Cubs rotation, it's it's kind of dangerous because you don't know who's going to be traded in the offseason. And you know I think all of us are always guilty of doing the classic, hey, you know let's pick five guys. But we all know throughout the course of 162, guys are going to get hurt, right? You really need seven, eight, nine guys that you feel good about pitching depth's key over the course of 162 game season. So. You know, that is something I think that, you know, the, the Cubs will will address and, and they already know. But I just I like this, guys. I like this. I just I really like what I saw from Kyle Hendricks all season. He he looked like the old Kyle Hendricks to me. I mean, he doesn't miss many bats. And, and even when he was at his best, he didn't. But he he still misses way less. But he really outside of the Atlanta Brave outing at Wrigley, he didn't really have any blow up starts. He kept the Cubs in games. Uh, he, he created a lot of weak contact. And, you know, when you have Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner up the middle, you know, those type of pitchers are going to have a lot of success. You know, when Kyle Hendricks was one of the best pitchers in baseball from 2015 through 2020, you know, he had that great defense behind him, whether it was Baez or Russell and, and Rizzo and, you know, uh, Hayward and Fowler and, and whatnot. So if you surround him with a great defense and, and he's able to keep the ball on the ground, uh, there, there's success to be had there. I think for the Cubs' benefit, it would really help the Cubs if Marcus Stroman did not opt in his contract and he opted out, or if the Cubs traded him because you know Marcus Stroman's another pitch-to-contact guy, but there's still a world where the Cubs could have a very good rotation with Stroman, Hendricks, Steele, and Tyone. I, I do believe that, but I think if, if Stroman were to opt out, then the Cubs could get really creative and, and have a lot of flexibility with what they do in free agency with the pitching market. And then you know instead of Stroman, you go Hendricks, Steele, Tyone, and then you, you get two guys that, that are bat missers or Horton soars up and and you're in a better place, but that's really out of their control. And I still think as, as hard as I am on Marcus Stroman, I still think he's a very solid major league pitcher. And I think if he's in your rotation, you're not, you know, appalled by it. I mean, he, he's going to help the Cubs. And, and so I, I like where the Cubs starters are at. I mean, 
you know, I, I think you know, the counter argument, if you want to play devil's advocate is, Hey, you shouldn't have to resign Hendricks or depend on Stroman. If you're really becoming a pitching factory and your pitching labs doing your job, because you should be just churning out young arms. But I think that's coming. I think that's coming with Ben Brown and Ferris and Horton and Wicks and the rest of these guys. But, but maybe those guys aren't quite ready yet outside of Wicks. And so, you know, you have to just supplement your roster and make sure you're in good shape. And, and having Kyle Hendricks wrapped, wrapped up for two years at maybe a, a $10, $11 million a year clip, you know, that, that doesn't bother me that much. The, the Drew Smiley thing, that bothered me a little bit. Uh, and I know people will say it's the same exact thing. But I just think Kyle Hendricks, he looks different. I, I think his success is a lot more sustainable than Drew Smiley's was. And so, you know, that, that, that is something I feel good about. And, it, and it's still... It's nice to have Kyle Hendricks around. I mean, you know, we obviously don't have anybody, you know, from that World Series team besides him, and he's the last guy standing. And, and you know, I, I've talked about on this show for a lot of reasons. I think he's almost the right last guy standing outside of probably Rizzo, you know, with the Cubs. And, you know, I would love to keep him here. And I just think Kyle Hendricks is a winner. I just think he's a winning pitcher. I think when he needed to pitch really well this season, he did. I thought without him, the Cubs wouldn't have, have been where they were. And when the Cubs were collapsing, he really didn't do anything to aid that. Uh, you know, he threw a decent game against the pirates. He threw a decent game against the brewers. He was pretty much five, six innings every time out three or two runs every time out, you know, for most of his starts. And, and, you know, that's worth a lot in, in today's game. So, you know, I I'm, I'm really happy that this is close to getting done. I hope it gets done and we get to see Kyle Hendricks come back and, uh, and pitch at Wrigley field. Uh, coming up next, we're going to switch from the starters, and we are going to grade the Chicago Cubs bullpen in 2023, probably the hardest position group to grade. But first, before we get to that, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We are back here on Locked On Cubs. I hope everybody is having a nice Monday, as nice as you can. Uh, bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. Right, grading the 2023 Chicago Cubs bullpen. I is 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 very tough. It's a tough grade because the bullpen as much as the offense felt like as the offense goes, the Cubs go when the Cubs had a solid seven, eight, nine of Mark Leiter, Jr. Julian Merriweather and Adbert Alzali, they were cruising. They were winning close games. They were, they were in a rhythm. They were playing the best baseball of the year in April and May when they didn't have those guys in that position. And then in September, when those guys became injured, their bullpen was a complete and utter disaster. And you can make the very, very intelligent and wise case that it cost the Cubs their season. Right. And so grading these guys is, is very tricky. Um, 
certain guys like Mark Leiter Jr., you have to take the full body of work. This is somebody who was cut before the season, not picked up on waivers, and for about five out of the six months of the season was as reliable as anybody, and then he completely fell off the grid in September. Adbert Ozilai, you know, became the Cubs' closer when the Cubs were playing their best baseball, and then he got hurt. Um, Julian Merriweather started out the year as kind of a low leverage guy. And by July, he was had the most dominant stuff on the team and was probably the guy that was the most consistent throughout the start to finish. Um, Michael Fulmer was not good for most of the year. He had a little bit of a resurgence in the second half. He just had elbow surgery, by the way. Um, and we'll talk about that probably a little bit more during the week. And then he got injured at the end of the year. Brad Boxberger was a complete and utter disaster. Uh, Brandon Hughes, disaster. Uh, Keegan Thompson, disaster. Um, it, it was a very weird year with the bullpen. And, and, and I think that for the most part, I think Jed and, and David Ross and Carter Hawkins realized that that is something that has to be better coming out of spring training. Assigning roles, figuring out who you want to do what, and letting those guys do that, making sure that they're used in an appropriate manner so that you can win games early, right? This is kind of the chicken and the egg, you, you double edged sword, whatever you want to call it. You could win games early on because the Cubs blew so many games in April, May that they should have won, which then it just caused an effect, right? Then it caused them to, to, to basically be in must-win mode in July. And when they were in must-win mode in July, they had to overuse those guys in all these high-leverage games because they couldn't let any more get away. And by the time they got to September, they really kind of crapped out and were really tired. So the first solution is get it right out of spring training so you don't blow so many games in April and May. And therefore, when you get to July, you won't be in must-win mode so you could rest those guys a little more so then in the stretch run, they'll be fresh and available. In terms of a grade uh, for this bullpen, it's very hard. Uh, there, there were some really good stories. Like Adbert Alzali, I think he gets an A or an A-. minus. I think Mark Leiter Jr., despite his collapse, still would be in the B range. I think Merriweather's in the high B, low A range. Um, but for the most part, it was pretty bad, guys. It was pretty bad. I mean, even when you look at some of the cameos, like Jeremiah Estrada, that was pretty bad. Uh, you know, uh, Palencia was very up and down. Quas was good at times and not. It, it's a D plus C minus for me. Um, I, I'm not going to pick one. A D plus feels really harsh because there are a lot of really good moments there. But again, you know, you had a lead late in September in every big game that you had to have. They blew six games that they led in the eighth inning or later in September. So, you know, that's really where the season kind of fell. You know, there were some guys that had, you know, a, a, a say as well offensively. But but to me, the bullpen was the biggest in-game thing that, that was wrong. And they just blew so many games that the more and more I think about it, I just think it has to be a D plus. I, I just think it's a high D range. And I think if the, if the bullpen was just a flat C, maybe a C plus, the Cubs would have played postseason baseball. So, you know, I think these things are fixable. You could obviously supplement the bullpen by getting more guys in free agency and, and just having more available bodies. But to me, it's just about getting it right out of spring training, right? We went into spring, out of spring training, Fulmer, Boxberger, Thompson, 
none of those guys pitched in major high leverage spots when the Cubs were actually playing important games. They completely, they went 0 for 3, right? It was Osli, Leiter, Merriweather, and then those guys got hurt and, you know, injuries are a part of it. You know, you could say, well, what if Adbert didn't get hurt or, or what if Leiter Jr. didn't have something up with him? But I think all that became, you know, all of it was related to the fatigue and the struggle with it. So, you know, D plus something that needs to be fixed and, and, and bullpen and margins go hand in hand. And I think the Cubs really have to address that in the off season. And it's not so much about adding guys really, although that you can do that, but just really identifying the guys internally that can help you out and putting them in positions to succeed early on. So you don't lose a bunch of games in April and May, uh, that you shouldn't have before we wrap up this Monday episode, we will catch up on the major league playoffs. It was a ridiculously fun weekend to be a major league baseball fan in these championship series. We're going to talk about both of them, particularly the NLCS next, but first this episode is brought to you by fan duel. October baseball is back and better than ever. And you can make your postseason debut with fan duel America's number one sports book. Join fan duel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just visit fanduelcom slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. And if you don't want to wait the whole game to get a W predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bet. So head over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets. Guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the LockedOn Podcast Network and Major League Baseball. Welcome back here Locked On, on Locked On Cubs. Speaking of FanDuel, I was on the Bears all week at plus two and a half and Tyson Bajant, Bajant, however you pronounce his name, earned his stripes to be a National Football League quarterback, whether that's a starter or backup. He was very solid today. And the Bears, for the first time outside of the Thursday night game uh, in uh, Washington, had a nice victory. I think the Bears won a home game on Sunday for the first time since 1985. But that is for Lockdown Bears to discuss, but it was a nice win. I did enjoy watching that in the background today as I was doing my Sunday activities. Let's talk playoff baseball because that's always fun. That's where we want to be. That's our goal is to be in these situations. And the series right now, as I'm recording, it's about 8.30 Central Time on Sunday. Game six in Houston right now. Texas three, Houston one. One of those crazy series where the home team has yet to win a baseball game. That is insane. If that were to hold, we'd go to a game seven tomorrow in Houston, and that would be very fun to watch. And in the National League, what a weekend. Diamondbacks won a couple really good games uh, at home. Craig Kimbrell, former Chicago Cub closer, uh, blew basically back-to-back games, but really blew game four big time. And then the Phillies bounce back to take a commanding 3-2 lead back to Citizens Bank with a nice, easy win on Saturday night. If the Phillies and Astros were to meet in the World Series, I believe it would be the first time that the same two teams met back-to-back World Series since 77 and 78 between the Dodgers and the Yankees. That's very rare in baseball. Baseball is a sport of a lot of parity. We've already, we've talked about the randomness of the of the playoffs, and it's kind of ironic because I've kind of – complained about the playoff structure but if the same exact two teams play in the world series back-to-back years it's kind of a a rebuttal to what i'm saying and it's like hey sam 
those two teams might just know how to win in the postseason. So we'll see. But Texas right now is currently leading 3-1 to one in Houston. I will be turning on that affair after I'm done with this uh, recording. So that was good. I, I'd like to see, to me, Phillies Astros would be great. Phillies Rangers would be great. I'm good either way. I, I, I don't really want to see the 84 win Diamondbacks in the World Series. So I hope the Phillies can close them out on Monday night. But listen. Those series have been really fun, and you know, I've learned a lot of things about the Cubs and you know how you really have to build your team twofold. You have to build a team that is really competent in the regular season, that can grind out 162 games, that has, that has depth and, and has ability to overcome injuries, which the Cubs couldn't do, especially in the bullpen this year. But then you also want to build a team that has gamers on it, right? Playoff guys. I mean, Kyle Schwarber didn't have a great year offensively. I know he had a bunch of home runs. But, you know, he, he hit like one some, 100 something, like 190 uh, or whatever it was. And he didn't play a great outfield. And Nick Castellanos, but those guys are gamers. And in the playoffs, it's not about hitting 190. It's just about timing, right? It's like what we talked about with the Master Boney interview when me and Miles were talking. It's like so much, we, we forget how important the when is in baseball, not how much you've done it. When do you do it? When do you perform? And you look at this Phillies team and you look at a guy like Schwarber or Castellanos at Harper, not only are those guys big names, but it's like when they're producing. Trey Turner had a really rough start to his season, but now he's delivering, right? Now it's when it counts. And, you know, I know that's unfair because baseball is such a hard game, but I just think as a, as a fan base and as a, you know, as a sport, I just think you really got to, Look at when things happen. And I know that's why people always get angry at me when I come on here after the Cubs win 20 to one. And I'm like, yeah, great win. But it's like once the game's in hand and it's eight, nine, 10, one, I just, I, it is what it is. Whatever you do from there, great. I'm not telling you to give away at bats, but I, it just doesn't matter. It's just when you get those big hits, when you deliver. And it just seems like the Phillies have a lot of win guys, right? Guys that deliver when it counts. Uh, I mentioned Schwarber and those guys, but even their pitchers like Zach Wheeler, uh, Nola, they just seem to really enjoy the moment. And the Astros have a lot of those guys. And, you know, it, it's it's really fun to watch. So so we'll see what happens. It's been a, a, a pretty a pretty fun weekend of baseball. I, I have to admit, I, I have been watching it and enjoying it. So the rest of the week, Matt will be back the next few days, and Matt will probably be covering for me on Friday's episode because I will be out of town Thursday through Sunday. So uh, prepare for that. But Matt will be uh, back and, and ready to rock and roll. We'll probably talk about the Cubs rumors with some of these pitchers overseas, maybe some other uh, uh, pitching situations. We'll play some games. We'll have fun. Um, and have a, uh, a good week. So I appreciate everybody tuning in. You guys have been amazing uh, in this offseason so far. Matt and I have talked about many times off the air about like we're so, almost surprised at how awesome we, and how much we've enjoyed doing these offseason shows so far. They've been seamless. They've been fun. Even with the way the season ended, um, it's, been, it's been really great. You guys are obviously um, the biggest part of that. So uh, we will catch you guys soon. Shout out to the everydayers who are with us all five episodes throughout the week. And you can become an everydayer by checking us out each and every weekday. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for Lockdown Cubs on YouTube and smash the like button for their algorithm. We're also on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast and streaming on Sirius XM. I'm Sam Olber, and this has been a Monday episode of Lockdown Cubs.